Well, welcome, everybody. It's good to see you guys this weekend and everybody watching online. Thanks for joining us also. And uh, glad to have you here. As, uh, as you come into uh, to Grace on Gent Road here, you can see that there's lots of construction. And uh, we're going to live in that for the next uh, year or two. Uh, so we're trying to keep everybody kind of up to speed on construction and what that entails. And one of the things that uh, I talked to you about last week, and I'll remind you again next week, one of the ways that it affects us is we don't have our lobby anymore, which means the way that we kind of function in this room has changed a little bit. And so uh, I asked you last week if you could kind of do me a favor, and that is if you're able to, uh, once you come into service, if you could stay through the very end of service until we say good night, Cleveland. See you next week. If you could hang out, uh, that would be helpful because the only way to exit is through those doors and those doors back there. If there's an emergency, you can go through the back doors, but it will make you go left and you'll go down a set of steps and you'll wind out in the front parking lot. So you can go out that way, but you can't get to the restrooms. You can't get to the parking lot that way. And so if you're able to not leave during service and come back, that would be great. If the baby cries, if you got to go, you gots to go. So I understand there's those kind of things, uh, but there's no way for us to not disturb each other. So let's keep that in mind. And then if you do go and you come back, if you could kind of hang out in the back, uh, that will be better for everybody. And we'll keep you up to speed on that. We'll go through some of these changes here in the next year or two. Uh, all those kids that went to camps and we interacted with uh, this last summer, that's what's being created over there. All that sports ministry and nurseries and ministry space. So it's going to be amazing when we get there. And we're just going to have to kind of slug it through together until we get that far. So thank you. Thank you for being a part of that. Well, I'm excited uh, to get into things this weekend and to launch into a new series. And uh, we're going to launch a new series called Why It Matters. And what we're going to do in this series is we're going to talk about some things that I, I think that we often take for granted. And uh, things that maybe were like a normal part of some of our lives, things that we are used to, maybe things that we're so used to we just thought... There's no good reason except habits or maybe obligation to be a part of it. And we wanted to lean into those things and talk about why these things actually matter. The reason that we're leaning into that is because our lives have been so disrupted in the last 12, 18 months because of COVID. And so all of our habits, all of what's like normal, all of our normal rhythms are all disrupted on one level or another. And as we head into the fall, uh, we're going to rebuild habits and rebuild rhythms. And if you're like me, as I'm looking at life and thinking about things I used to do and then I didn't do during covid I'm starting, I would look and say, do I want to start doing that again? Was it that important? Was it a big part of my life? Was there value to it? Or did I just do it, right? And so we're reevaluating those things and thinking those through. So we're going to talk about a few of those things here for the next couple of weeks. We're going to talk about why those things are important to God. We're not going to talk about why they're important to Grace Church. Uh, we're going to talk about why they're important to God. And then we're going to kind of ask the question, like, why 
why are they important to God then? It's there, it's easy to see in the Bible, but why would he value these things and why would he want them to be a part of our lives? So we're gonna start that this weekend and we're gonna talk about why does God want his people to gather together physically on a regular basis, all right? So this weekend, I'm gonna to talk to you about this. We're gonna move through the scripture, but it's gonna be a little bit different. If, you, if you're a, a guest this weekend or you're newer to Grace or watching online for the first time, what we would normally do is kind of pick a passage of scripture and lean into that really, really heavily. Uh, this weekend, I'm gonna do something different. I'm gonna show you a pattern in scripture. And sometimes God teaches us this way. I'm gonna show you how this pattern pattern is clear and it's really, it's inescapable. Like you can't hardly read the Bible and not see these things. And then from that pattern, we're going to ask ourselves the question, why did God keep saying this to his people? And why then is it important to him and to us also? All right. So why does God lay out the pattern in scripture that he wants us to gather together? And why is it important to him? One of the places that you would see God address this is in Hebrews chapter 10. And so the writer of Hebrews says this, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. This is way back in the New Testament when the Bible is living out for the first time. And even back then, people were asking this question apparently in the early church uh, why do we need to meet together like what what's the point of that like we do it God says to do it but is there a reason why we do it and even the writer of Hebrews is like yeah don't forget this part that we need to meet together don't give that up or some are in the habit of doing but create that habit in your own life so that so that you make that a normal part of your interaction with God and each other and even the early church would have been wrestling with the question like this that some of us may be wrestling with as well okay now if you're like me you ask questions like that because I'm a guy that doesn't like to go to meetings and I don't like to do things. My life is very, very busy. It's very, very scheduled. I really don't know what to do next unless I look at my phone and my assistants have put things on there so I know where to go next. So if you cancel a meeting on me, you have not hurt my feelings, you've done me a favor, right? So I don't, I don't mind having a meeting canceled or not feeling obligated to go do something. So when I go through a time like COVID and my life kind of got wiped like yours did, and now I'm rebuilding things back into my schedule, I'm going to ask the question, why do I need to do that? And one of the questions that we ask ourselves is, so why do we need to go to church? Like, why? Uh, there's podcast, there's the app, there's the website. Apparently, if I buy Jeff Sushi, he'll come and teach me personally. Like, why, why this rhythm 
of disrupting the time and the flow of our life in order to show up with a bunch of other people. And as I've thought about that question over the years, my mind kind of goes to that place also. That's just my personality, right? So some of the answers that have been given to me over the years is this. Uh, the, the, the question, the, they'll say things like this. Well, you go to church so that you can have teaching and you can worship. And when I hear that answer, my thought is, well, I can listen to any teaching in the world on my phone. Like, I can listen to teachers that are way better than Jeff Bogue, like, on the phone. Now, you can't find a better looking one, let's be honest about that. But way better, way more insightful. So why do I need to go to my church and listen to that, to my pastors? Uh, Well, you need to worship together. Well, if you're being honest, at least if I'm being honest, some of my most intimate and powerful times of worship, I'm by myself, uh, my, we have, we kind of live in the woods and my little fire pit back in the woods is a little bit of like sacred ground in my life. I spent a lot of time with Jesus back there and I listen to a lot of worship music and sometimes I feel more free to worship and I feel like I hear from God more if I don't have people around me. So you got to get teaching, got to worship. I'm like, yeah, but do you? I mean, do you? So I'm not sure that that's a great answer. The other answer that I've usually been given over the years of why do we need to do this is that you go to church to connect with people. So if you're, if you're not connected with people, you know you won't have deep relationships unless you go to church. And I'm like, will ya? I mean, is that true? That my best friends might be at my gym or in my dorm. I, I, don't, I might file in and out of services with people. So is that actually accurate that I won't have friends if I don't do that? Because I have those relationships and I don't really feel that relational need. In fact, if many of us are honest, it's the relationships at church that have hurt us the most. So that person who was self-righteous, that person who put out an idea like the small groups are supposed to work like this and they don't work like that at all, that kind of stuff wounds us. And so when I look back at church and this whole make friends there, I don't feel that at all. So if that's the reason that I gather together as a church, then that's not a very motivating one to me either. And I think that those are honest feelings. I think that those are realistic objections. I don't think that's like an invaluable argument. And... When I look at the Bible, from Genesis all the way through Revelation, what I see very clearly is God saying to his people, his followers, gather, 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 gather. So I look at my objections, and then I look at God's direction, and my conclusion to that has to be, God must know something that I don't know. Like, if, it, if, if why does he want me to gather? Maybe I don't know, but it's very important to him. So he must understand something that I don't understand about the purpose and the, pow- the power of gathering together. And so I, I wanted to explore that this weekend. And I wanted to ask that question. Church is not just an obligation. It's not like a sin if you miss church once in a while. It's not a sin to watch church on the internet. It's not a sin to go on vacation. But 
but the writer of Hebrews is like, but don't make the, your absence your habit. Make your presence your habit and don't give up on that like some are in the habit of doing, all right? So I wanna explore this with you a little bit. Why does it matter? And I'm gonna ask kind of these three questions or try to answer them for you. First, we're gonna talk about why we need to gather. What, what, what is the importance of us gathering together? And why is that important? Secondly, we wanna talk about why the world needs to, to see us gather and why that's important. And then I wanna, I wanna give you two reasons why you need to gather, why individually that's important for us to do in our own spiritual journey, okay? So let's look at this together. Why does it matter that we gather together? Here's the first one, ready? This will blow your mind. This is one of the most insightful things you ever hear, ready? Why do we need to gather? When the church gathers, we see each other. Mind-boggling, right? You guys did not see that coming, did you? You should write that down and, and meditate on it day and night, right? Why do we need to gather? Because when we gather, we see each other. And for some reason, I'm not sure I know all the reasons, that was important to God. You go to the Old Testament. God in the Old Testament created the tabernacle. It literally means the tent of meeting. These were the, the nation of Israel that was out in the wilderness. They lived together, worked together all day long. And he said, I want them to gather to worship and in essence to receive teaching or recite God's promises. God told Moses and Joshua, gather the people together and remember together, recite together the promises of God. Later on, King David and then his son, King Solomon, built the temple, and it was a central place, and they gathered the people together. They had regular gatherings there. Even later on in the scripture, when you get into the New Testament, the people would gather together. Right, the word, uh, the English word church in Greek is ekklesia. It means the called out ones or the assembly. And the church in a physical sense was, it means the meeting house. God again and again and again would make it a point to direct his people to gather together. Why? Because there's something that happens when we see each other. Now what is it? I don't know fully, but I know the difference. I know that there's something different that happens when I'm looking at you and you're looking at me and there's not a screen in between us. There's something different that happens in our relationship. I know that when, when the word of God is taught, I listen to podcasts, I love that kind of stuff. I'm kind of a podcast junkie. I know that somehow when I listen and there's a device between your voice and my brain that I for some reason hear that more as information and less as a personal interaction. What is the difference? I, I don't know if I know the difference, I just know that it's there. I know that when we worship together, it's different than when I worship on my own. I learned this very clearly when we were in quarantine and we would pre-record the sermons and pre-record the music and then I would get my own family out of bed. We attended the 11 a.m. service. 
and we would get out of bed and we would sit in the family room and I would watch myself and listen to myself. And I thought, man, I, first of all, I look good in 4K. And then secondly, I got distracted from myself. And then we would worship and we worked really hard to make that worship sound good and look good so that we could give you guys the best that we could give you. And it was, it was awesome, but not remotely the same. Something's different when, when we see each other. There's a difference between a text message, hello, and I look you in the eye and say hello. There's a difference between meeting you online and meeting you in person. There's a difference between a virtual hug and a real one. And somehow, God knows that. And he knows that when we're physically together, it affects our interaction with each other and our interaction with him. And you see all throughout the scripture, he keeps saying, gather, assemble, gather, assemble. Don't give up on gathering. Don't make that your habit. Don't make your absence your habit. Make your gather your habit. Because when you see each other, it makes a difference in your lives with each other. The early church, I, I was looking at them, trying to figure out what did, the, did something change when the church was first formed at the day of Pentecost. And it's fascinating when you look at that in the book of Acts. Acts chapter five, this is after the day of Pentecost. The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. This is after the Holy Spirit came down. So the church is birthed. Many thousands of people are, gather, are, are coming to know Christ. They are meeting in homes with each other. They are meeting one-on-one -on -one with each other. They are filled with the Holy Spirit, so they have a direct connection to God with each other. And they gathered and they knew and they saw that as the natural response. We need to see each other. God tells us to be together. It's not that gathering in homes is greater than or one-on-one -on -one is more important. It's that all of those elements were a natural part of their relationship with Christ and their relationship with each other. And when the apostle in Hebrew says, don't give up on that, that's a part of what he is saying, right? That you would gather together, right? And so we, that's part of why. It's in scripture, you see it all over the place, and somehow God knows that we need to see each other, right? Now, why else would we do this? Why, why, why would God care about this? Here's another reason that I think is clear in scripture. When the church gathers, seekers see us. When the church gathers, seekers see us. So part of why God has told his people to gather, why we're not just going to, you know, Pastor Pello and, and Church in the Woods, and, and we're not all individually connected to God on our own thing. Part of why you see this pattern of gathering all throughout scripture 
is because the gathering is part of how God identifies his people. And all throughout scripture, that gathering is the place or the identity where the world around us would say, that is something special about that group of people, right? So again, in Acts, you kind of see this play out a little bit. Verse uh, 15, as a result, the, the people were gathering together. They were gathering together in the early church. The Bible says this in verse 13, no one else dared to join them. So when they gathered together in Solomon's colonnade, the outside world looked and said, that's a unique group of people, we're in us and they're them. And they're gathered together and identify them. So the Bible says in verse 13, no one else dared to join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. So it's not a snotty group of people. It's not an exclusive group of people. It's not a bunch of people who've rejected everybody else. They thought highly of them, but they were like, there's a group and we're a group and they're a different group than we are. It identified them. Verse 14, nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. Then in verse 15, as a result of all of that, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on the, the beds and the mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem. As a result of that identity, the rest of the world looked and said, those people are different. As a group collectively, there's something there and we can reach out not to just my friend or my family member, we can reach out to this group. Even if we don't know people in it, we know that they represent something. That group is a place where God is healing people. That, that group, that Peter guy that's always talking to that group, like we don't even know that guy. We don't know anything about that guy. We never met that guy, but that group responds to that guy. And he seems like their leader. So if we get connected to them, we can get maybe connected to him and some things will happen. Crowds gathered around the crowd, right? And God, I think, one of the reasons why he would say, I want my people to gather is so that the world can find him through that group. When we gather, it's not just for us. When we gather together, there's a unique visibility to our faith. It's not just your opinion or my opinion or your interaction with God or my interaction with God. There's a, there's a corporate belief that has validity to it. When, when the world drives by the church building and the parking lots are full, it creates a visibility that I could find something there or people are finding something there. When we gather together like that, it creates a unique identification. Those people have agreed on something because there's a bunch of people there. They've identified around something. And it's, it's not just what I think or what you think. We agree publicly when we gather.
on who Christ is and what he has done for us. And then what's interesting, when you read what was happening here in Acts, there's a unique invitation. There's an us and a them. We don't feel like, we don't dare join them because they're a them and we're an us. But they're highly regarded. And as we get to know them, the us starts to feel the invitation from the them. And the us started to bring their sick. The us started to listen so that men and women were added to the church daily. It's fascinating. And from the Old Testament all the way through, that was one of the motivations as to why God would have his people gather. So that he could be seen. When the church gathers, the body of Christ gathers, the family of God gathers, the bride of Christ gathers, the household of faith is put together. And it's not for us and our preferences. We would gather for the reasons we talked about it's actually for our testimony and our visibility so the world would know where to find the hope of Jesus, right? So why is it important to God? Why does he keep repeating it and making it a thing? I think he does that so we can see each other. I think he does that so the world can see us, right? But why does he want you to be a part of it? Why does he want you to be a part of it? So I want to talk about two reasons why I need to gather. What's the individual piece of this, okay? Here's the first thing that I would find in Scripture. And again, this is a pattern in Scripture. It's not just one verse that says do this. It's a pattern. And here's the first thing I would say. The reason that I need to gather or you need to gather is, is this, the first one. Because gathering together is a distinct spiritual act, it's a distinct spiritual act. If I said to you that God wants you to pray, uh, for most of us, we'd be like, okay. Uh, if I said to you that God wants you to read your Bible and meditate on it, we would say, okay. If I said to you, God wants you to have spiritual accountability, iron sharpens iron, lean into each other's lives, Okay, if I said to you, God wants you to gather. It's a distinct spiritual act, right? It's different than one-on-one -on -one Christian brother-sister relationships. And it's different than small group sharing and support. There's something different that happens when you take the spiritually distinct act of joining together with other believers, right? Now, hear me, please. There is absolutely nothing wrong, zero wrong, with watching on the internet, listening to a podcast, Zero, absolutely nothing. There is absolutely nothing wrong with personal times of worship. In fact, I would encourage it. Zero, sitting around the fire, interacting with God. 
There is absolutely nothing wrong, zero wrong, with you praying by yourself one-on-one with God, zero, right? So there's nothing wrong with that, ready? But there is absolutely something different when I pray together with other believers. This isn't wrong, but this isn't this. There is something different that happens within us spiritually. That personal worship, I can't encourage it enough, but it's very different when we worship together in the room with each other. It's just different. Personal Bible study, I can't encourage it enough. If anything you should do, read your Bible more. There, it's awesome. But there's something very different when the Bible is taught publicly. When you listen to a podcast, even if it's mine, or your other favorite preacher who's ugly, if you listen to them, can God speak to you through that person? 100% they can. And it's 100% different when you're in the room with me and I'm looking you in the eye. It's different. So it's not that these things are bad. They are not evil, right? If, if you are physically compromised and you can't do COVID, Praise God for the internet. If you're on vacation and you want to stay in the flow of church, praise God for the podcast. If you want to listen to as much preaching as you can listen to, do that. It's way better than talk radio, right? There's nothing wrong with that, but this isn't this. This is distinct. And God, why is it important to God? Because this distinct thing affects our relationship with him in a different way. So for me to not have that or to cut that out of my life or to deprioritize that, I'm taking a part of my spiritual interaction with God and I'm robbing myself of it. It's a unique thing that has a unique role and a unique influence in our lives, right? So when you look at that, the scripture would say, gather. Why is it important to God? Why does he say don't give up on that? Because he would look and say, this, whatever that is, I don't know it all, I don't understand it all, but whatever that is can only happen when we're together with each other. So the first reason why you need to be a part of it is because it's a distinct spiritual action. Here's the second reason why it matters that you're a part of it, ready? Ready? Because families that assemble resemble an intentional Jesus. Families that assemble resemble an intentional Jesus. Church services are not a service to you. Uh, We call them church services, and I wish that that word had never gotten into our, our English vernacular. Because when you look at the Bible, the gathering of the church is not a service. It's not a, uh, an, an, a, a, a venue where things are done for you and you consume them. That's not what it is. A church service, according to scripture, 
is a gathering of the family, right? We talked about this a little bit earlier. When do you see the body of Christ formed as a body? When we gather. And when do you see the bride of Christ formed as a bride? When we gather. When do you see the family of God gathered as a family? When we gather, right? So when a family assembles, it resembles an intentional Jesus. Uh, when I get together with my family, I love my family. We're together a lot. Are there times that my family gets together and I can't be there? Sure. Is that wrong of me? No, not at all. Can't do everything. Uh, is there times that my family gets together and I'm out of town? Yeah. Should I fly home immediately and get it? Not necessarily. I mean, that's just life. It's no big deal. Is there times that my family gets together and I'm sick? and I can't be with my family? Yeah, that, that happens. Is there times when my family gets together and, and maybe I'm compromised and can't be with my family? That happened to our family at Christmas time. My brother feared that he had COVID. He didn't get together with our family for Christmas. Is that gonna happen? Sure, that's gonna happen. When I miss the family gathering for reasons like that, do I cease to be a part of the family? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Is it a sin? Absolutely not, right? Now, when my family gets together and I don't feel like hassling with them, when my family gets together and I just don't bother to show up for six months, when my family gets together and I just, I got other stuff to do and ah, oh, the family. They get together every week. Is it wrong? Is it right? Ready? Or is it a statement? When I take the family gathering and I press it so far down on the priority list or I take the family gathering and I just, well, I just, you know, we'll see if I'm not busy. I don't know. Maybe if it's not raining. Right? Have I made a statement? The reason I made a statement is because when the family assembles and I never prioritize assembling with them, I'll call in, I'll FaceTime. I've made a statement about my relationship with the family. And the fact that I don't see them affects my relationship with them. We will, if I never see my family, we will start to misunderstand each other. If I never see my family, we will start to feel insecure about our relationship with each other. If I never see my family, then I won't know my nieces and nephews. Right? I've made a statement. Now, when the family of God assembles, is it a sin to miss? Of course not. Do you have to be here every week or you don't love Jesus? No. And do you have to be here every week or we're gonna, we're gonna keep track and hunt you down? Possibly. No, right? But when I'm just gone... When I picked up another habit, 
because the intentionality of being with the family makes a statement to the family and about the family. Now, in the church, when the family assembles, it resembles the intentionality of Jesus. Jesus came to meet us. It's very inconvenient for him. But he prioritized us. He pursued us. He wants to know us. He made a way to be in relationship with us. And why is it important to God that we assemble, that we gather? I think it's this. That we mimic to each other and to the world the same relational priority that Christ gives to us. We resemble him when we make it a point to gather with each other. Right? I had a lady come into my office a couple months ago and uh, sit down with me. And uh, she sat down with me and she said, uh, I, I said, what do you want to talk about? You're here? And she said, I want to interview you. I said, okay. And she said, uh, I said, what do you want to interview me about? I was male modeling or something. I didn't know. And she said, uh, she said, I want to ask you some questions about the church, its authority structure, and your personal accountability. I was like, well, okay then. That's a pretty big interview. And I said, I'll answer any question that you have for me if you answer one for me. And she said, deal. I said, why does that matter so much to you? And she started to tell me her story. And her story with the church was one of pain, betrayal, sinful self-righteousness, judgment, spiritual leaders who lied to her and let her down and hurt her. And so she came into my office and she basically was like, are you one of those guys? So we talked for a while, answered her questions, and I think it helped because she comes to our church now. A few weeks later, I was trying to get ready for this conversation, and she came to my mind, so I called her. And I said, can I ask you some questions and then tell everybody about our conversations on the weekend? And she said, yes. I said, okay. I said, here's my question. Why do you hassle with this? Your journey with going to church is pain and frustration. If there was anybody that had a legit reason to forget meeting together, it would be you. So why are you jumping through all these hoops in order to keep coming to church? What would motivate you to do that? And some of her answers were absolutely fascinating and I wanted to share them with you. She said this. She said, when I committed to Christ, I committed to his family. And I know that's what the church is. And she said, think of it this way. Just because you have a dysfunctional sibling or a dysfunctional uncle or a dysfunctional family member, you wouldn't allow them to rob you of the dream 
of having your own family. And she said, I've been hurt a lot by the church and by the leaders in the church, and she genuinely has. She said, but I never stopped longing for a family. And I know what Christ has called the church to be. I know its downsides and I know its upsides. And I've chosen to believe in the upside and I keep pursuing it. When I was hurt in my biological family by people that I love, I didn't look at that and say, I don't ever want to have kids. I don't ever want to be married. I don't ever. Those longings are within me. And I know that those people don't represent Christ. And I don't want them to rob me of what Jesus wants to give me. I found that answer absolutely fascinating. Then she said this. This one blew my mind. I love this one. Maybe be my favorite answer ever. She said, Jeff, she goes, when most people think about the church who are outside the church, they think of it as a place where the, the righteous people go. The people who have their act together, they don't really sin anymore. They're self-righteous. There's nothing wrong in their lives. And she said, and most people, when they go to church, we put, I call it happy plastic people. We put on smiles and we fake it and we yell at each other on our way to church in our Honda Odyssey minivan. And then we slap our smiles on, the kids get cookies and we come into service. And, and I said, and, and she said, she goes, I, I know that's the way that most people see the church. But I know the reality of it. She said this, she said, I'm messed up. I have sinned. I have been wrong. My life does not look like the clean cut Christian life. I'm messed up. And she goes, you know why I'm so committed to coming to church? It's so that when other messed up people come to church, they can find me. And I can help them to know that Jesus loves them because he loves me. And I'm here gathered with my family. I love that answer. She would look and say, I'm going to go to church. These are my words, but I wrote it down this way. Her commitment to assemble resembles Jesus' commitment to pursue. I'm here so that you can find Christ and it's easier to find Christ when you recognize another messed up person. And if I'm here, you can be here. And by the way, little secret, everybody here is messed up. And we need to see that in each other. And our world needs to see that for when they're messed up. And I don't, guys, I, I don't really know how or why, but God shows up different when we're together. And when we assemble, we resemble how Jesus loves us and we love him and we love each other and somehow 
that meeting that happens about once a week helps all of that make sense. So much so that it's important to God. And from the beginning of the book to the end of the book, he keeps looking at his people saying, don't give up on that. Well, God, there's a bunch of jerks there. I know. Birds of a feather flock together and that's where you go. And people are gonna struggle with their humanity and people, we're gonna laugh together, we're gonna cry together, we're gonna have to figure out how to put up with each other, we're gonna support each other, we're gonna confront. And somehow when all of that happens, it makes me make sense. So don't give up on it. Some are in the habit of doing that because it's pretty easy to find a reason to tap out. But you shouldn't. You shouldn't. Because God knows and understands something that we don't fully. And this is important to him, right? I want my people, I want them to gather my ecclesia, my assembly, my gathering, right? And I want to meet you in that place different than I do in your devotions, different than I do in your small group. I want to meet you in a unique way that there, okay? All right. Band's going to come out. Would you pray with me as they settle in? Jesus love you. Thank you for this directive, Lord. There's all kinds of things in scripture that don't make sense to us on the surface, but, but when we live that way and embrace that way, we realize, God, that you work through them. And so when we get out of these habits, Lord, uh, you correct us and direct us. Lord, this fall, we're building new habits. We're, we're talking about this because of COVID. And as we get back into the rhythm of school and sports and even going to work and things like that, Lord, let us take your heart and your mind and put it at the top of our list. And let us be in the habit of meeting together and making that a regular part of the rhythm of following and knowing you. So guide us that way, God. Encourage us. Help us to hear and understand and trust. And thank you that when we do that, you always meet us and you're always among us. We love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen.